Welcome back to part two with the Bowen Brothers. <laughs> uh, for anybody who wants to know, they can follow us at MuddyWatersOfFreedom.com or on Facebook.com back forward slash MuddyWatersOfFreedom, on Instagram at MuddyWatersOfFreedom, or on Twitter at Muddied underscore Waters. So I think that when we left off, I know because I just watched the video, uh, <laughs> we uh, left off with, uh, we, we were kind of touching a little bit on the abortion topic. Well, yeah, and, and it's like, why does abortion keep getting brought up? And I think that that comes down to the reality is there's only about a 7% difference between the two major parties on policy. And so what they want to do is focus on those wedge issues, where their real differences lie. And issues like abortion is where those differences lie. Because when it comes to the expansion of our military overseas and using military force to seize control uh, so we can continue with the petrodollar and force countries to exchange oil in the petrodollar to continue our economy. Um, most of the policies, things like that, they all agree on. The Democrats and the Republicans vote together to make that stuff happen. But where the differences are are wedge it, issues. It's, it's in those wedge issues. It's things like abortion. Gun rights. Gun rights. Things like that. So they bring those issues up all the time because that's where they can create the difference. And they don't want you to bring up the issues where there isn't a difference between them. Right. I, well, I also think that a big portion of it is that they want to bring up issues that instill like, some sort of fear in the people who 
Absolutely. Who, who feel one way or the other. So they're going to push the abortion issue or the gun rights issue. Because for somebody who is very pro-life, them overturning the abortion issue is a chance for them to you know rejoice. Where somebody who's very pro-choice, that's like, no, you can't do that. And it makes them angry. It makes them fearful. So they're going to go out and be more activists. Same thing with the gun, with the gun rights. Uh, if you have somebody who's very anti-gun and thinks that nobody should own any gun or that we shouldn't own AR-15s or whatever it is, they're going to they're gonna cling on to that and they're going to say, no, we need to stop these guns from coming in while the Second Amendmenters are going to sit there and go, no, we have a right to have these weapons. We have, every ap- we have an absolute right to own these weapons. And I think that's where a lot of it comes from is they can prey on the fear of the people so much easier with those issues. I used to be in cells. I wasn't very good at it because I actually have integrity. But Hey, that, I just had that conversation <laughs> with him a few days ago. But one of the things that uh, somebody that I respected in the business told me a long time ago was that people are motivated by one of two things, love or fear. And so... I think that's one reason why maybe um, the gun issue comes back again and again is that uh, people love guns or they fear what might happen if they didn't have a gun. And so it's like kind of a, kind of a double, double whammy, if you will, because you can really get people uh, you know, a couple different ways by what motivates all of us and kind of get them a twofer, if you will, on the gun issue. Uh, when it comes to abortion, I, I just really feel like why is this even a political issue? If it really is an issue about somebody's own body or an issue about health, uh, what other issues do we put up for debate in the uh, public arena that has anything to do with health? It's like, why is abortion the only one? Why, why don't I, if, can't I tell you to quit eating fast food? Like if, especially if we're gonna go to a single payer healthcare system someday, like, you know, shouldn't, uh, as, as much as the people are killing themselves with a bad diet be just as important with how many uh, babies were, were taken out of the world? It's like, I don't personally uh, like abortion, but I will personally never get one. And so ultimately it really comes down to what a woman and her doctor and I believe her significant other that helped conceive that baby should really, those are the people that get a say-so in that kind of thing. It shouldn't be up for debate just because this person or that person is running for office, but like you said, there are going to be forces out there and in, inside the media because that's what's going to sell papers or get clicks, if you will, is people arguing about that when it's never really going to change. So it's like we're wasting time. So how, going back to, I believe, what we started talking to about the beginning of the last, the last segment is what can we really as libertarians do, even whether we're outside of the party but still have a passion for the ultimate, what really is the message of the libertarian, you, you, you're, you're still going to be who you are, whether you are officially a libertarian or not. Right. A lot of my views didn't change a whole lot. It's what I choose to identify right. as and who I choose to right. align and with. So you still live in this world, and so you're still going to have conversations with people inside and outside of the party. People can still be brought to a libertarian mindset or at least uh, get their curiosity piqued enough with conversations with you, as long as you're not, you know, too bitter about the situation, <laughs> that you can you can actually have some dialogue and maybe win some people over. People inside the party are the ones that I'm really talking about. Like, not only should we be talking about people that have won as libertarians and, and are serving in office, like why and why I didn't know about this, like I kind of blame myself. But at the same time, like why are we as a, an official libertarian party not talking about our successes, not 
pushing the conversation away from these web issues, but more towards what does a libertarian society look like? And maybe we don't start out with what the ultimate end game is. Maybe we start out with what are your schools going to look like? You're going to have more access to the kind of curriculum that your, your children are, are exposed to in the school. You're going to have more say-so about how the budget is, is how, it, how the money comes in and how it's spent. When, you know, because that's one of the successes that the Libertarian Party in Indiana had is that we really helped school choice. And, and Indiana is one of the, the leaders and innovators when it comes to the charter school movement. And so that is one of the successes we should be talking about because that is something that, politics aside, we all want our children to be educated. Not indoctrinated, but edu- educated. And so we need some, some education reform in this country. How can libertarians continue to lead on that, not just in a state-by-state in a uh, school board by school board race, but but nationally, we have to be playing the long game, and I think that that's where we're failing. Well, I, I think libertarians need to recognize that we all benefit from an educated society, and that we are all better off now than we were before everyone was getting an education, and our economy is better. Our economy has expanded. Our economy has a scale that it didn't have before everyone got an education. And we can have a conversation of maybe the government doesn't do it perfectly. Maybe a mixed education system where there's charter schools and private schools and a lot of options are there. But when we're starting with the premise of we have to get rid of all public government schools, well, a lot of people aren't going to agree with that. And a lot of people are immediately going to recognize the hindrance it will put on our society and our economy in having less educated people to be able to participate. Well, I think that's why libertarian business owners really need to speak up more. They would be, I I really feel like, a, a, a voice of reason in that discussion because it's like, don't you, as a as a business owner, want the most qualified uh, person to come and, and apply for that job? Someone that's going to uh, be trustworthy, that's going to have a good work ethic, but also is going to have a thirst for knowledge to educate themselves outside of those nine to five hours about the industry upon which they work. Uh, I, I really feel like they should again be leading the way. It's a, it's like a discussion that doesn't ever seem to ha- be. We'll we'll have these high and mighty discussions about what Friedman uh, said about economic issues, but what are we doing every day to help, like maybe foster that discussion with the inner city who have seen time and time again business after business close. And even now, like I drove down here to Florida for vacation. Uh, and hearing about how we are setting to start. I just want to point out, this is how he's spending his vacation. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we hear time and time again from our current president that the economy is is setting historic records, but I still see business after business shuttered on the way down here. And are those jobs ever coming back? And maybe the economy is changing. Maybe more things are being automated, but are we... I, I mean, I served in the military where I learned we don't leave our brothers behind. So why can't we as Americans see that uh, the more efficient that we get, the more we're leaving some people behind, and those people deserve to come along too. They're Americans too. Right, and I agree with that, but as business, as new innovation comes out, more opportunities are going to arise. When the car came out, people were worried that the people who drove rickshaws weren't going to be able to have jobs anymore. And 
eventually the you know taxi drivers became a thing and the people that drove chart piloted rickshaws i don't know which you <laughs> rickshaws they ended up you know they they figured out a place for them to go people uh my dad and i were having a conversation recently and he was worried that ai was going to end up making it where a lot of people would be out of jobs and he was like mm-hmm. i think that that's going to happen and i said he probably is right and yeah, I agree that at the beginning that's what's going to happen, but because of it, I think new innovation is going to come along and there will be new new opportunities for people to move into outside of what their closed mindset has already been kind of pictured on. But if well, we don't value, but if we don't value education, even funding an education for somebody that's not one of our own children, then how do we ever bring those people along? Yeah, I don't I don't think that it, there should be a citizenship line against who deserves human knowledge. You know, but a lot of the the argument about uh, the jobs and stuff. It, one thing you'll see discussed is the uh, the self checkout lines and the, the the cashiers at Walmart and stuff. And from the left, you'll see people no, never use self checkout. Always use the cashiers right. and make the make the cashiers do the job because they're just trying to eliminate the cashiers. Well. You got to think about it in terms of technology and advancement and the way the the economy and the way we operate and the way we function is always going to continue advancing. And think about this. Back when phones first started out, there were switchboard operators. And and in every city across the country, there were hundreds of switchboard operators that are sitting there manually connecting. Her name was always Merle. I don't know why. It was always Merle. And she knew everything. But that is completely obsolete now. Yeah, right. That is a job that no longer exists at all. And we can't say that by that job being completely lost, by technology completely usurping it and making it completely obsolete, because machines do all of that for us now. There is no human connecting your call. When you dial your phone and it connects your call, that is done automatically by machines now. Whereas it used to be an actual person, and you would call and connect to the operator, and she would say, "Hello, who are you trying to call?" And you would connect. She would connect you to your call. I don't call. think what? she had that. Idea. I was going to say, why, "Why was she Indian?" Because <laughs> <laughs> they're all Indian on the other end of the phone. Maybe right? Pakistani. I don't. I, I don't know what accent that was. Because that's what I'm used to getting when I actually have a human on the other end of the phone now. I picked up a payphone the other day, and it's like, like it didn't even have a dial tone. I'm like, what? But like, should we? Should we like be mad at ourselves that we didn't save? the jobs of all these poor switchboard operators? No. Absolutely not. No. And we're, we shouldn't be trying to defend the jobs of cashiers either. I mean, that's that's fine. I, if you work as a cashier, it's not like I'm trying to insult you or anything, but your job is going to be made obsolete, and you're going to have to find new work. And you know what these people are going to do? They're going to find new work. Yeah. One way or another, you, you, you're going to have to do it. Yeah. And, and I'm not promising it's going to be something you like, but you're going to have to find your way in the world. And if, if you're a cashier who is being made obsolete by technology, I'm sorry. I'm not going to say, no, technology has to stop advancing now because we got to save the jobs of the cashiers. Sorry, no. The last thing I want to do when I go to Walmart is deal with a Walmart employee. If I can check myself out, I will be happy to. And if, if I'm going to fast food, which I rarely do, but if I if I am and they've got the kiosk where I can pick out my food, now I'm I, I have now lowered the chance of a mistake happening to one human as opposed to two. Or you can blame mm-hmm. yourself. Or I blame myself. Right. Well, 
Okay, so it's still two humans. <laughs> I've learned it to two <laughs> instead of three. So, yeah, like, now it's just the person making the food as opposed to the person ringing it in who's obviously a stone teenager. Not all cashiers are stone teenagers. I get that. But it seems like that's who I get whenever I go into a fast food restaurant. Um, <laughs> I mean, at the same time, like, so we know that some people are going to get left behind. But some, and it's some, not, in, some I in the libertarian circles would just be like, well, sorry, you, you chose to be a cashier, uh, you know, 20 years ago. I don't ago. see it as them being left behind. It's it's now upon them in order to find a different opportunity. But what's wrong with saying, look, come on, we're going forward. What's wrong with carrying them with us? What's Absolutely. There's nothing wrong with doing There's nothing wrong with doing that. But while technology does go forward, the person who has strived, striven, strove, strived to be, <laughs> to be a cashier, what, what skills do they have? Well, they actually know the ins and outs and the what have you is of being a cashier. <laughs> and and they, they should be working with like the programmers of, of the software and hardware that's going to actually be doing their job for them. And then also learning how to repair that or load the software or well, make upgrades or, or even work in troubleshooting. When that right, but they're somebody. just going to have to move to a new low-skill position. If you are a low-skill right. person, I, I mean... I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to, to like hate like, on you or, or knock you, but if you have a low skill level, then you have a low pool of jobs to choose from. And if your job can be made obsolete and rendered useless and non-existent by the advancement of technology, you kind of got to put some effort into advancing yourself. Right. And, and and I am okay with making sure that we're helping bring you along with us. So there'll be grants there to retrain or Yeah, I, and that's why I say you know, let's let's open up some education for these people. We have the entirety of human knowledge available to us. Well, and this was built over millennia. We don't own this. None of us can claim ownership over the entirety of human knowledge. And we need to make sure that we share that as much as possible. And that everyone has an opportunity to benefit from that human knowledge. So I don't have a problem with making sure they come <laughs> along and getting public and having public school where we're making sure everyone's getting educated. And okay, you're a cashier and Sorry, you don't have a job anymore because you've been replaced by a machine. But we do have education services that are available to you that I have no problem paying tax dollars for. I have no problem paying my tax dollars to make sure everyone around me has access to more knowledge. Just so when sure it comes to schools and libraries, I'm all for it. Yeah, just make sure they have to get at least a B or better. You know, I, I really feel like they should have to put forth some effort to show that they're... Worthy of taxpayers. I mean, if if you're talking about at a higher education level, maybe. But do we like do we kick a child out of school because he's got all D's? No, we don't do that because we give them the opportunity to continue bettering themselves. We also and we understand that not everybody is perfect, and they don't always recognize the value of what's being offered to them. But they will later, and maybe they're going to fuck it all up. We all do. We're all human. We make mistakes. None of us are perfect. So we shouldn't act like we're perfect, like we have a perfect high-minded idea of how the world should be right, run but, and we've got it all figured out. Either. But what you're talking about are people who, whose jobs have been made obsolete, the low-skilled workers, and you're saying, let's give them education. They're already beyond primary and high school education. 
do they want to be There's re- always Barber College. Right. want to be re educated, <laughs> is that what you're saying? <laughs> like maybe they just all they wanted to ever be was a cashier? Well, no, well, that's, that's what, what I'm saying. They're forced into it, but if the opportunity's there, I don't see the problem with providing them the opportunity. Man, that's a lot of dead air because my brain just <laughs> shut down <laughs> on that one. Like, I'm not saying, like, okay, you're a cashier, and cashiers have been rendered obsolete, so now you've got to find a new job, you and you have to go to this school, and you have to study this, and you have to get on this job. I'm not saying you have to do that. I just want the opportunity to be there for them. I want you to be, you know, if you, if you want to go and take auto body classes now and learn that, I'm okay with taxpayer dollars helping you get that class. I'm okay with you having an opportunity to take that class and go make something better for yourself. And if you fail out, you fail out. But maybe you're at the not same putting time, in that effort, okay. But maybe at the same time, once that happens, then maybe you'll want to stand for the national anthem because you had a reason why. Like, the American way was real to you. You saw when your neighbors were there for you. I don't stand for the national anthem because it's a lie. Here, here's part of my problem, and here's where I ended up being. A, here's here's where I ended up being a libertarian. You remember how it was for me in school? I have so many Republican viewers that are just going to go. Excuse me, it's a lie. The, the the pledge of allegiance and the national anthem is a lie. And if you don't like it, then tough titties. Because okay, so you're reciting this. I, I know. I know. I know the. Uh, I know the reason that the pledge is a lie. I know. I know that it was written by a socialist in order to increase flag sales. I know that. Why the National Anthem? Okay. Here's the problem. This is the propaganda I bought into. We're the land of the free and the home of the brave. Liberty and justice for all. That's the propaganda I bought into. But I grew up and realized that's not the country we have. And that's why they're both lies. Both the Pledge of Allegiance and the, the... the, the star-spangled banner are lies because we do not have liberty and justice for all. We do. We are not the land of the free and the home of the brave. Neither of those is in the national anthem. The national anthem. It, 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 oh, say, so can you see by the dons? It's about a war. Right, it's about a war. <laughs> but what it is, it's a, it's about the propaganda of the greatness of our nation. It is granted, but the 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 words. Land of the free and home of the brave are not in the national anthem. Or the land of the free and the home of the brave. It's the end of the national anthem. I never get that. (laughs) (laughs) I can't Yeah, too loud. Already gone for beer. So so we're supposed to be the land of the free and the home of the brave. And that's the propaganda that I bought into. And it's not true. We're not even brave enough to be free. Wow. Yeah, that is, that is a lot to digest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not really hungry at this moment. <laughs> you know, as as someone who served in the in the army, I guess that I came to the conclusion that may lend me to think that there's something to that. When I saw things that I'm not even still at liberty to talk about, because I was only enlisted in the military, and some of the stuff, the information I had access to, made me really scratch my head of like. Why are we doing that? That's not really what I thought America was all about. And so um, I never really, I wanted to be a lifer when I went into the military. I wanted to be a chaplain assistant. I wanted to serve others. It was out of wanting to serve my country that I went into the military to begin with. Um, And I just, I really felt like, man, we're not really all we say that we are. And and I had a crisis for a while. I thought I was politically homeless. You know, I didn't know really where I fit in until I went to a Tea Party rally and met some other libertarians that were there. 
But I really feel like we're not going to get any further than 2 to 5% in election cycles until we really figure out what is important to us, what things can we kind of just let fall to the side, what kind of successes can we share with each other and strategies that helped people win elections or you know grow their party. These are the kind of discussions that we need to be having instead of like political bitch fests that nothing ever gets solved and they're usually about... Uh, you know, issues that are never really going to change. Can we focus on what we can change and can we focus locally and can we focus on the long game rather than, you know, wanting to run, you know, uh, Johnson again. You know, great great Gary Johnson, you know, run again. Please don't run again, Gary Johnson. (laughs) But the thing is, it's like, well, that's fine. We're great and get elected for Senate. But the thing is, like, we, we spend more time arguing about why that candidate shouldn't have been there then how can we just support this candidate? Because this is the candidate we have now. I really felt like we dropped a, a, a ball and really did not capitalize well on an election cycle where more eyes were on us than ever before. Because we were focused on infighting and who has the bigger libertarian penis. So how can we either inspire you know, young, young, was li- too small. young, young libertarians uh, that are just coming around uh, how can we, you know, re-energize libertarians that are becoming, you know, uh, disillusioned and uh, disenfranchised? Like, how can we really, you know, s- save this from happening? Uh, put our finger in the dike, so to speak, and, and save this. That's philosophy. homophobic. <laughs> I'm so triggered right now. <laughs> I, li- I live in Gulfport, Florida. Maybe you don't know about it. I don't. <laughs> There's a couple gay people here. There's there's a few gay people here. They don't like that word. Their property values must be sky high. Oh, yeah. No, they're huge. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And, I mean, the Libertarian Party has so many issues with it. I think stemming from the chair, personally. But (laughs) but, uh, when it came to the 2016 election, Gary and Bill refused to say anything bad about either of the other people. They refused. They were like, we're not going to run a dirty campaign. And it's like, you don't you don't have to run a dirty campaign. You just have to say what they said. And that was one of the issues. And people were like, well, these people are weak. And it, that's what it came across as. They wouldn't even use their own words against them. And then you had Bill Weld out there talking about Hillary Clinton and how much he liked her. And at that point, you're going to lose so much support from libertarians alone. Like you've gone too pragmatic right. because you may not be wrong in what you're saying, but your base is not buying it. Right. Your your base does not care. You have just said that you support Hillary Clinton. Well, why are you running against her? Right. You yeah. Can't, you can't support someone and, and and then run against her. Yeah. Exactly. And with the libertarian, like the libertarian parties, constantly got. I mean, they got the infighting problem that they're constantly dealing with. I I mean, it's been a problem. Long before I joined the party, and it'll be a problem long I was after a libertarian I acted I was a part of the Libertarian Party for over twenty years, and it was always about who's more libertarian, right? And I can't take it anymore. It's just a constant cycle of who's what new people have showed up wanting to say who's a libertarian or not, and purging who they don't think is a libertarian. I remember. So when I first, it may have been my very first libertarian meeting here in uh, Pinellas County. Uh, it was during the special election for Overby. And there was a guy there whose name I don't remember because I did not see much of him after this one. Um, and afterwards, we all... it was Where was that meeting? 
Was it at the Daytech Center? It was at the Daytech Center. And then later we went to uh, the bar that was right there. Yeah. Uh, Quick glue of the Jiffy Lube. <laughs> Jiff, yeah. We went there, and I was talking with a couple of guys there. And this guy, whom I'd never met before, haven't seen him since. Uh, I think we're friends on Facebook still, not 100% sure. But he, uh, he was going on and on about how uh, the candidate wasn't libertarian enough, and he wasn't a real libertarian. Granted, he was right. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I was like... Why? Why are you? Why are you caring on these little thing, like on all of these tiny issues, as opposed to the big picture issues? And that was my introduction to the Libertarian Party because that was when I joined the Libertarian Party. And right. immediately it was, oh, this candidate isn't libertarian enough. And if you have that going in a special election for somebody who, at the time, I believed he could win. Looking back on it, I realized that was a really dumb thing to believe. <laughs> Running against someone who is literally a lobbyist turned congressional candidate. Like, this is everything bad that both sides of the aisle agree on. <clears throat> like, there was no reason that you should have not said, I don't care what you believed in. There was no reason for you to not support that libertarian candidate over that guy all day long. All day long. All day long. Because he was just bad all around by objective measurement. And and the Democrat candidate, uh, Alex Singh, right? What? Yeah, carpetbagger. Carpetbagger. <laughs> yeah, I don't think she lived here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> she bought a house here just to run. Uh, she was an awful candidate, too. So, yeah, you choose the libertarian. You don't go after him because... What was his big issue? His big issue was... He didn't like that the that the libertarian candidate didn't make going after the banks a big portion of his campaign. Right. And it's like, okay, yeah, we may all agree that the big banks kind of screwed some people over, like a large number of people over. The position I'm trying to get elected for has no oversight in that area. I remember that. And the funny thing was is actually... Adrian. No. No, it wasn't... It, it wasn't Adrian. Not a, not he. He was like Russian or something. No, it was a veteran. Veteran. The funny thing about that was, is it wasn't even the the candidate had a an opinion that was different from him. The candidate agreed with him. He prioritized it differently. Right. Which is even worse in that not only is a one hundred percent agreement required. But 100% prioritization is required. That was because he agreed that the banks screwed everybody over and that the banks were a problem. It's just that was not his priority. That was the day that somebody told me, you're either a libertarian or you're not. You can't be a little bit pregnant. Right. And I was like, right, but if I'm not a libertarian, that pushes me to which side, like, where am I? Because I don't agree with you on 100% of the issues. And my psychological state is not defined by pregnancy. I am allowed to have gradients in what I understand and, and, what and I, how I believe. Exactly. <laughs> you mean there's more than two colors in a crown box? <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> there's more shades of red than just red or pink? <laughs> no. <laughs> Not according to these. <laughs> Not according to every girl I've ever dated. <laughs> no, this is not red. Right. Yeah, that's red. 
<laughs> oh, I thought you like either have a penis or you don't. <laughs> Dating these days, so, like it has to come down to that, you know. You gotta ask. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to offend you. You can. You don't have to have a penis, but you just have to. But what is suit your gender? Right. You just can't have one to date me. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> My, I have a bad, a bad habit of getting us off, off topic. So no, you're no, I, just, I, just, I just really feel like you apparently haven't watched many of our shows. <laughs> I just really feel like it's 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 up to libertarians and and maybe the younger ones that are coming in to really do some soul searching and ask themselves what are important, what are the issues that we can really affect some change in, and what kind of candidates can we run, and can we help them when a wedge issue comes up. Learn how to deflect without sounding like the other two, you know, major party candidates that deflect to not answer a question. We don't want to deflect and make people feel like we don't care about certain issues, but we definitely have to. Prioritization matters. I mean, you put, you know, I mean, that's one thing that I've learned being an accountant is as far as like, you know, deploying your resources effectively in an organization. You know, sometimes that means that your focus is going to be in research and development, or sometimes your focus is going to be in sales uh, and, and marketing, and sometimes it's going to be in the operations. You can't uh, be, you can't fire on all cylinders 100% of the time, all the time. And so you have to find out what is important, where can we really affect change, and if they continue as, as a party, as an organization, to push pragmatic people that think in these terms out, they're going to have less and less chances of winning. Uh, absolutely. And we are going to have a great chance. <laughs> How do you have less than zero? One percent. One percent. And here in Indiana, three, we're trying to go... Well, well, and here in Indiana... Occasionally, they'll spike. But, well, yeah. in Indiana, we're trying to get to that next level in the Secretary of State's race because the way our ballot access works for the Libertarian Party, well, well, for any party, is you have to get at least 2% in the Secretary of State's race uh, for your candidates, for your, you know, your party's candidate. So if we get that next level, which I believe is 10%, then we get access to, like, the voter registration data, like, you know, the exit polls and, and the, the roles, like, where, where people live so that we can send, you know, literature on our candidates to their registered address and we don't get those kind of things as a party because we haven't got to that threshold yet so i feel really strong because we have run a candidate who in every way shape or form has avoided controversy uh didn't take his pants off in front of you know an audience at any i don't know maybe if he thought it would help he might i don't know mark's pretty 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 open to suggestions on that kind of stuff but <laughs> at the same time you know, mark is, is a, a very intelligent uh, strong in every way as a candidate, and so like, how can we get more people like that who, you know, who feel like I'm only not going for two percent. I'm going for ten percent. Uh, I feel like there's too many who just want to do paper candidacy, and that's fine because we want to have representation. We want to give people a choice, but can we do a better job of finding whether it's in our state or in our county one particularly highly visible race that instead of running ten candidates in that area in smaller races, we get behind one stronger candidate and unify behind that and do a better job of promoting that candidate and, and have some more wins and then tell the rest of the party in other states about those wins because it's like, so when I hear one here and one there, it's like, why are we not talking about this more? So, so instead of going for the 2,000 uh, 2, candidates in this election, instead just focus on doing 
really good ones in small areas. I would, that's what I would, I, I would right sacrifice now. 2,000 candidates for one that can get elected. I, I would agree with that. I would 100. I mean, I'm not part of the Libertarian Party anymore. But me, I would, yeah, yeah. about it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would agree with that uh, wholeheartedly. But I mean, that was one of the issues that uh, we've had in Florida for quite some time. Is we don't really vet candidates, and there's really no way to stop people from running as a Libertarian. Well, I think there is a way to vet candidates, and what it's kind of what I tried to do, even though you know a lot of people thought I was an asshole for doing it, but it's. It's to actually question those candidates and to not just accept that, oh, hey, I came from the Republican Party yesterday. I'm going to run for office here. And, oh, yeah, we've got a candidate. Let's throw full support behind them. Instead, start asking them some questions and ask them where they stand on policies and start making them uncomfortable with those views that don't align with libertarianism and make them realize that they're not quite ready to run for office as a libertarian. Right. And... and Unfortunately, I mean, I'm sure a lot of libertarians don't like this, but I, I drove candidates back to the Republican Party doing that. It, but shouldn't that be where they belong? Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> and I mean you, you obviously know that I, in one race in particular, I did everything I could to keep somebody from running as a libertarian. <laughs> <laughs> he who shall not be named. Uh, and I, I did, I, I wrote, an article saying this guy is not a libertarian and I refuse to vote for him even though I am a libertarian. I will vote. That's that's the beauty of being a libertarian is I can vote for the candidates that I like. I'm not forced to vote party line. And a lot of people told me, no, you need to vote party line. And I was like, well, I ain't voting for that guy. Well, I never did. Yeah. Well, and, and a lot of people try to... I, I'm not afraid of saying his fucking name. I, he ain't fucking Baltimore to me. I ain't scared. No, I did not like Augustus I, Invictus at all. And a lot of I people, just don't like saying his name because I don't like to give him any... Because it's ridiculous. Uh, it's well, stupid. Not, <laughs> you're such a narcissistic megalomaniac. And like your, your name just like spews pretension. Well, and it's just annoying as hell to even say. But I'm not afraid to say it and I'm not afraid to say how I feel I've said it to his face and I'm, I'm, I'll say it on the air I don't care but a lot of people try. I just didn't want to give him the credit without saying it the, the problem is a lot of people want to try and give him the credit for why I left right I've heard people try and say well he left because of Augustus Invictus quite frankly if you want to give a candidate credit for me leaving it's Randy Wiseman <laughs> Because that was the straw that broke the camel's back because I got sick and tired of you, uh, of the libertarians, accepting Republican refuse so quickly. Like, this dude was garbage discarded by the Republicans, and all of a sudden he's supposed to be this fantastic candidate for the libertarians. He, he couldn't buy a suit that fit. He couldn't present a libertarian idea if he tried. And I'm supposed to jump on board with supporting this man and just, like, throw all my efforts into a gubernatorial candidate for a guy who doesn't know it, what he's saying, who's got... Who who's got Democrat, a mixture of Democrat and Republican policy on his website for his Libertarian campaign, but I'm supposed to just fall in line on this, right? I'm supposed to just vote the Libertarian Party line because he's got an L next to his name, even though he, he's like a spectacle dumbass. No, that's, that's a problem. That's, we, we are critical of the other parties doing that. Why would we want to emulate that? And I was a thousand miles away in a totally different party, and we still... 
heard about the crisis that the LP was in, and it's it's like you try to just distance yourself as much as you can from them at the time. But it's like, man, uh, Florida, you know, being how populous it is, being I Florida, just, <laughs> I just really, I just really feel like Florida has got a potential to really be a bigger leader in the Libertarian Party. We have the potential to set the entire country on fire. <laughs> this state is full of Florida men. Yeah, I was going to say, the Libertarian Party of Florida seems to be filled with Florida men. Yeah. Florida men is the Libertarian Party, it seems like. And it's, you, you got James Weeks going up on the stage and doing a strip tease at the 2016 convention. And at that moment, I went, well, here goes the neighborhood. I didn't think we were going to win. Now I know we're not. But I thought there was a chance for maybe 15%. Yeah. Not anymore. And that's an example of the effect that Florida has. Because he's not even a Florida man. But once he got in Florida, he turned into a Florida man, didn't he? There's <laughs> <laughs> an influence that happens. Like what Is you he not a Florida man? No, he's like from Michigan or something. Is he? I thought he was a Orlando area. No, oh. James Weeks. No, he's like Michigan or something. Oh. I could be wrong on the state, but I know he's not Florida man. Oh, okay. I thought he was a Florida man. But it's it's the effect of Florida man. It does that to you. That's why I mean. That's why our state motto should really be: you know, "Come on vacation, leave on probation." Because you you like cross the border. I, I know so many people that have done that. So many of my friends have come down here and gotten arrested, and then they blame the police. I'm like, man. You were drunkenly telling people you were a bouncer at a bar. <laughs> Is it any surprise the bar kicked you out and had you arrested? It's the subtropical region, man. It's the angle of insulation of the sun's rays, dude. That's what it is. <laughs> These are physical laws. We can't overcome this shit. <laughs> well, I always have a good time when I come down here. I try to refrain from getting in trouble. So <laughs> maybe it's a good thing I don't hang out with libertarians other than you, you guys. But, you know, I, just, I, I just really feel like we're at a crossroads as, as a country and as a party, and until we get our head in the game, uh, we may not even have a libertarian party by the time you know your son or my son is old enough to really get definitely my son. Politics. Yeah, I'm, and I don't feel at all sad about that. They sh- there shouldn't be. They they get one percent, and they're lucky they get that. They don't they don't get anything more than they deserve. They don't even deserve that one percent. Wow. Quite is, that, is that one now? Have, have we been able to do any kind of like verification? Like, is that one percent just like only like registered libertarian? No, uh, I'm, I'm using the one percent as kind of the average of what you'll see the vote be for the libertarian candidate. Yeah. I know that there are libertarians that get more than one percent, but the average it comes out to about one percent typically. And usually they're about one to two percent in the in the election, and that's all they deserve. They don't deserve any more than that. They're not offering anything that that deserves anything more than two percent of anyone's attention. Well, I think we learned nothing else. There's no going to there's not going to be any more just elect me because I'm not the other guy. I think that enough people have seen that maybe that might be how Trump got in, mm-hmm. and I think that there's enough people that are angry about that that you may not see that happen again. Hopefully, people become more politically active and and so that we don't have a, a crisis like that again and hopefully they do and hopefully the libertarian will will, will rise to that occasion i i'm hopeful that they will if it's not clear enough yet the american people decided that a dumbass like donald trump is valid as a president but no libertarian dumbass is valid in any way shape or form so we can't even present ourselves as more valid than that dumbass. Than a pussy grabber. Yeah. 
I mean, the man. He, he admitted. I mean, it's. He admitted that he will molest somebody. We we can say disparaging things about Donald Trump all day long, and that's but a matter of historical record. I was going to say we don't need to do it. He says it about himself. Right. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. It's not like this is a prize. I said this during the 2016 election. The man has been on television making an ass of himself for the last 30 years. W- why is this even a viable option? Yeah, I remember watching that debate. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, he's been on Sally Jesse Raphael. He has shaved Vince McMahon's head on WWF pay-per-view. He has... Was he on Springer? Uh, I don't... Th- did you no, just I, break I, another totally pen? Broke it. I said, <laughs> this time I did break it. I don't think he was on Springer, but he was on Sally Jesse Raphael and Phil yeah, Donahue and Oprah. And, and Oprah. And, like, he did the talk show circuit. And he did everything he could possibly do to draw attention to himself. He's yeah. a media whore. He, he has conned people in every way. He sold steaks. He sold diplomas that ain't worth a goddamn thing. He has sold everything that you can possibly sell. He runs casinos. Who has the favor? in the casinos, the freaking house. They're designed to part fools from their money. What do you think this man is? And you elected so, him. So is every store on the planet. Well, I mean, so, some more than others. I mean, Whole Foods certainly is. But Every store on the planet is to d- get people to spend money, just like a casino is. Like, he, And he just gets a lot more well, of Well, like, a casino is designed specifically to part fools from their money at a large scale. I mean, this is this is different than charging a little more for broccoli. I mean... Yes. Okay. So, as a degenerate gambler, <laughs> as a degenerate gambler, I understand. I don't need to go to a casino to gamble. I can make a bet with you right here. <laughs> I can. If you want to bet. Right. Like every time I went there, I went there for the fun of it. I knew that the house was winning a hundred percent of the time. And anybody who walks into a casino that doesn't know that. You might be too dumb to walk into a casino. Right. But you're too dumb to vote for president, so please step right up. <laughs> right. I, I, I can't argue that. I mean, there is no IQ test to vote, nor do I think there really should be. But, well, I guess someday maybe we'll get enough of them to vote for us. <laughs> should you at least have a high school diploma? Should there be any litmus test other than being 18 years old and an American citizen? Well, I mean, we used to have so many others, but then they got rid of them. I, I, and I understand. I'm not, I'm not trying to say, like, we should, like, shut anybody out. But, like, do you really... Like, there's a lot of people I know who... I'm surprised they get through a meal without putting a fork in their eye. Yeah. Yeah, they get to have a say in who's going to be controlling our government and having a say over my life. Most of the people that I know that I think uh, can't get through a meal without putting a fork in their eye, most of them libertarians. <laughs> yeah, so they're not voting the right way. Right. They're so not voting for who's going to be elected ultimately. <laughs> right. So... I, the people that I can usually sit down and have a normal conversation with outside of present company don't fall within the libertarian <laughs> sort of philosophy. <laughs> the spectrum. The libertarian spectrum, spectrum. Which includes the libertarian socialists and the ad cobs and all the people that hate each other and right. want to tell each other all, that they're not libertarians. And what, like, what I've 
whatever people always ask me why libertarians fight so much i'm like okay so you know how on the political spectrum test it's a big square with the and they're like yeah and I'm like, so republicans are top right democrats are top left and like, yeah libertarians are the entire fucking bottom <laughs> now imagine just going yeah the top on the party on the right or the party on top yeah that's that's all one party now and it's like of course there would be infighting there's not a party that fits i mean there is it's green party but i mean <laughs> the libertarians are like oh no we, we can all be libertarian and no you can't the, the problem is that how many times have you sat down or with a libertarian that you just met and they start going through issues until they find the one where you guys disagree and they grab a hold of that thing like a pit bull and don't let go and they fight over that one issue. And it's like, dude, we just spent a half hour agreeing on stuff agreeing until on we found where we disagree. Actually, and that's I, all you want to talk about. I don't find that just... I find that with every single political party that I... Like, anybody that I meet from a political party, if I talk to a Democrat... We can disagree. We, we can agree completely on criminal justice reform, ending the drug war, uh, senseless, ending senseless wars. But they will focus on gun control a hundred percent of the time. And if I'm talking with a Republican, we can agree on gun control. We can agree on smaller government. We even though you know they don't really agree on smaller government, they just like to say it. Um, but we'll agree on so many things. And then. As soon as it comes to foreign policy, and I'm like, no, we shouldn't be there fighting wars. They, you don't but, support our troops. Well, You're un-American. <laughs> but the Muslims want to kill us. And I'm like, no. Uh, well, Let them come here. I, I do a show them. with one. He has never tried to kill me. <laughs> and, <laughs> well, he probably knows someone who does. I don't think so. He's, he's kind of a, he's really an introvert. He's a little introverted. He plays a lot of video games. And, uh, he uh, might have some Facebook friends because he like adds some shady people. But uh, I don't know if he actually knows them. Right. I don't think he knows them personally. <laughs> I, I think I think he accepts anybody who requests friendship with him. I, so. I, I, I don't think so anymore. I think so he's reached his limit. <laughs> and. I'm like, I, yeah, no, I, I just don't see that. Like, and you're fighting, you're, oh, yeah, Muslims are all bad, but the Catholics who, you know, rape children, they're just, a, they're getting screwed over by this small group of people. But okay, that makes sense. <laughs> and, but that means, you know, I hate religion. I mean, yeah. But <laughs> it just kind of means I hate rape. <laughs> <laughs> I hate rape when Muslims and Christians do it. I, yeah, I don't really care who's doing the raping. Not a fan. Uh, it's just, it does not matter which political party the person I'm talking to is affiliated with. They find the one thing, just because people like to argue and they like to debate. But on election day, they still somehow unify and still get behind the candidates and win. So why is it that they can do a better job of you know, maybe the political infighting on a day to day basis, but when it when the rubber meets the road, they can screw one person out of the nomination to give it to somebody else and all be fine with that enough to not leave the party. Well, I think I think part of that is like what you're talking about there with the Republicans and Democrats. They are opposed to you. You're a libertarian. I'm a Republican or I'm a Democrat. So we're going to find where we disagree so we can argue about right. it. It's, it's the people that you already have agreement with that who want to find those disagreements and argue with you all the time about it and don't want to drop where you disagree. Because I have found just just myself and what I've seen with my Republican and Democrat friends when they're all together, they're not arguing with each other about what they disagree on. No. 
You know, the Republicans are not arguing incessantly over where they disagree all the time. The Democrats are not arguing incessantly over where they disagree all the time. They might do it, but I'm not seeing it. And they, they do unify towards where they do agree and get stuff done, whether we like it or not. They mobilize and work together for that. But with the libertarians, I'm supposed to agree with you, yet all you want to focus on is where we disagree. And you want to find a way to tell me I'm not a libertarian because of these few places where we disagree. Honestly, they've won the war. I'm not a libertarian. I don't have to identify that way. If the libertarian identity is that important to you, where you would rather push me out than find a way to welcome me, you can have it. I don't need it. I don't have to identify as a libertarian to know who I am and what I believe. So it's a big tent, but it's empty. Right. Right. It's exactly what it is. They would like a a huge empty tent. (laughs) With an echo chamber. Yeah. Well, it's got to be right. empty for it to echo. You got too many people in there. The sound waves. Right. right the sound. Yeah. And then that's when the infighting starts. Yeah. Because <laughs> somebody heard something they didn't like. All right. Well. Um, yeah. That's. Well, tune in next week to hear some more that you don't like. <laughs> I don't know if Matt was prepared for this. I, I was not. Uh, no, we just showed up in town at his front door. Yeah, I had no idea what this conversation was going to be like. I was really terrified walking into it. Well, I appreciate you giving us this foreman. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I, I'm glad that you guys took a couple hours out of the day. Well, a couple hours to record plus a couple hours to drive here and back. Because Florida, uh, 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 I'm at Indy Liberty on Twitter. Getting ready to get there. <laughs> no, 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 but I was just telling you. I, I mean, I've met you in real life first before connecting with you on social media. So that I, ho- I hope that you will. And if there's anything that we've talked about today that you'd like to continue the discussion about, if there's anything that I may, you know, not be under full understanding, that's that's one thing I also think is missing in libertarian circles is that. You know, I want to know more about an issue, and as long as you don't beat me over the head with the information and tell me I'm an asshole for being, you know, uh, ignorant about something, I'll keep an open mind and, and learn more and you discuss don't like more. It? You don't like it when you're told you're an asshole for not knowing something? Well, I know I'm an asshole, but don't tell me I'm an no, asshole no, because I don't know something that you don't think Don't tell you me I'm know. an asshole because I'm ignorant. Tell me I'm ignorant, damn it. <laughs> leave, leave the asshole. An asshole for other reasons. <laughs> And, and believe him, he's my younger brother. There are perfectly legitimate reasons to call me an asshole, but my ignorance is not one of them. By the way, <laughs> I found out some information. Did you? Yes. Is your nickname Spike? It is. Uh-huh. I'm only going to call you that from now on. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, the okay, funny thing like, is, up in Indiana, that's only what I'm called. Is it? Oh, yeah. yeah. All uh, the aunts and uncles. Like, that's all everybody. people know me as up there is Spike. <laughs> Yeah, he commented on Spike's show, and he's like, this is funny, because we used to call my little brother Spike, and since I saw the name, because we weren't friends on Facebook yet, I saw the name, and I'm, I know who his little brother is, I'm only going to call Greg Spike from now on. It, it doesn't bother me. Uh, it's just, I grew up being called Spike. Um, and Did you have a flat top? No. He was I'm, just like a 12-pound baby. I, I was, was a born. huge baby. I was named Spike because my parents were still arguing over what they were going to name me after I was born. Okay. So they didn't have... They hadn't officially named me yet, but I was already born. So I was the biggest baby in the nursery. I was bigger than any two babies combined. So because I was so huge, the nurses nicknamed me Spike. And so that's what they called me until my parents actually decided and agreed on a name and filled out the paperwork and stuff. And the nickname stuck with me all my life until I moved to Florida because that's what everybody knew me as was Spike. But when we moved from Indiana to Florida, 
It was all new people who had never met me before. And one of the things that I had found going through life up to that point was every year at school, they would say, they would call me as Greg, and then I would have to explain that I'm Spike, that that's what everybody knows me as. Like, all these other kids in this room know me as Spike. And so you should call me Spike as well because that's what everybody calls me. But that's not what my real name is. My, but yes, my official name on your paperwork is, is Greg Bowen. But I'm Spike, and that's what everybody's going to be calling me, and that's what I'm known as. So, like, call me Spike because that's my name. Right. Well, then I moved to Florida, and I didn't have to make that explanation anymore. Nobody knew me as Spike. Like, so wow. I just never explained to what anybody that what everybody calls me is <laughs> I no longer like have my to first say. day at school in Florida, like they called me by Greg and I just got to say here. <laughs> and I didn't have to explain to them that everybody else in this room is gonna call me Spike. So you need to know that my name is Spike and that's what everybody calls me. And that if you want me to respond immediately, that's what you should call me. And I didn't have to explain that anymore. Still the, I still the just, same great taste and ass-kicking ability. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, like, I always had to explain to teachers that my name's Matt. It's not Matthew. Don't fucking call me that, ever. Same for me, because mine's Gregory. Right. So I had to short it, shorten it down to, to Greg. Right. And explain to them that I'm not Gregory, I'm Greg. Right. I'm only Gregory when I'm in trouble. Yes, <laughs> by my mom. Exactly. Now when people say, I said, did I come out of you or in you, either way... <laughs> Like, even in you doesn't validate it. You can't call me Matthew. <laughs> Maybe. Depends on how good that was. Yeah. But, but a teacher one time said, oh, well, we already have another Matt, so we're going to call you Matthew. And I went, no. <laughs> right. So she would call me Matthew, and I just wouldn't I just wouldn't respond. Nothing. And she, Matt, yeah. <laughs> she, she, just, it's, your name's Matthew. Nope. No, it's not. I refuse to accept it. My name is Matt. It's not Matthew. I fucking hate that name. <laughs> and the, it's a Bible name. And it's weird because the older I get, and Turn people to the find book of Spike. <laughs> I know. I, I would that that first to. book of Matt. <laughs> well, that's 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 the funny thing is like my my real name Gregory uh, that derives from Pope Gregory. You know, who was who was the one who did the Gregorian mission, which is where we get Santa Claus and holy treason shit from. Because he's the one that was, the Gregorian mission was when he sent the missionaries into Europe. And he's like, if they worship a tree, bless the tree in the name of Jesus. Let them continue the worshiping the tree. But now they're Christians because the tree is blessed in the name of Jesus. So that's why all those pagan traditions of Europe got integrated into Christianity. Was that Pope Gregory? Gregory. Yeah. It's Pope Gregory. Yeah. It was the, it's called the Gregorian mission. Because yeah. that's when he sent the missions with the missionaries into Europe with that directive that you're not going to What was his name before him. he was Pope? That I don't remember. Because I think I, I can't remember the name off the top of my head because I'm not Catholic, nor do I care. Yeah. But, I only know because it's my name. So. Right. But I think, I, know, I think I've heard this story with a different name, so that's why I was like... I don't think he was the only one who did, so there might have been another Pope that was talking about it, but he was the... The Gregorian mission is where it was codified into Catholic law and like Catholic procedure and lo the way they were doing things that... You know, we're not converting them by force anymore. You don't have to abandon your traditions to take on ours. You can keep your traditions. We're going to bless your traditions in the name of Jesus. And you keep doing them. And now that's just a Christian practice. 
Even though, <laughs> even though the uh, the Bible and and Jesus would not be cool with it. No, because, like, no, they, no. They, they even specifically say you don't you don't worship as the pagans do, and you don't put new wine into old wineskins. I mean, don't get me started on that. I'm, I'm a I'm a Christian who does not believe in Easter or Christ or or. Why the Christmas. hell are you celebrating my resurrection with rabbits laying eggs? What the hell is wrong with you people? <laughs> you don't deserve my grace. Jim Gaffigan's bit where he's like, "Christmas sounds like a holiday made up by a drunk guy." Like, Why is there? A tree in the living. It looks pretty. <laughs> Where are the socks? On the mantle. <laughs> it's actually got a point. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of my favorite bits. Um, yeah, thank you guys for coming down. I do appreciate oh, it. Thank you. It's our pleasure. Thanks again. No, this has been fun. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I went through almost 60 ounces of kava during this one, which nice. that's... Uh, quite a bit <laughs> put you through the ringer yeah um again thank you guys so much for coming down as always you are always welcome on the show anytime you're in town actually i have skype ability anytime you want to come on just let me know and you can uh, definitely be on the show uh everybody else do you have anything you want to pitch uh, i would love for people to check out mark rutherford's campaign on uh, you know i'm sure the typical media you know, social media sites. Uh, Mark Rutherford will be out there, but he's well known in in the libertarian circles. He's he's been on the national committee before. He's I'm now playing with the pen that my brother broke. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. No, no, no I'm, I'm I'm currently not running. I'm currently just the uh, the treasurer for the the Marion County party. But uh, there are some candidates out there that we definitely need to support. And in Indiana, where we already have ballot access, it's important to get that message out there that we really need to get two percent, and we're really shooting for ten percent so that we can open up you know more avenues to get more candidates on the ballot. So yeah. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for asking. Do you have anything you need to pitch, Greg? No. No? No. I'm not selling anything. I'm not supporting any candidates. None of that stuff. Be excellent to each other. And go. party on, dudes. Party on. <laughs> That's party. what I got to pitch. Party on, Just be excellent to each other. Stop being assholes. I'm so excited about like, this. Like, shut up and listen to somebody once in a while. You know what I mean? <laughs> All right, that pretty much does it uh, for the longest episode of the Writer's Block ever. Uh, <laughs> um, thank you all so much for watching. Please like, please share. Uh, you can, I said it at the beginning, I'll say it again. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Muddy Waters of Freedom. You can follow us on Instagram at Muddy Waters of Freedom, on Twitter at Muddy underscore Waters, or you can see this episode and every other episode every day at muddiedwatersoffreedom.com almost forgot that one which would have been real weird uh, I didn't say it at the beginning of this one since it's a two-parter but thanks to Low Tide for the cava thanks to Muddied Waters Media for allowing me to do this show and uh, thanks to Don and Sally for giving both to me even though I'm probably a huge disappointment after this episode um, <laughs> join <okay>. us <laughs> thank you so much y'all and uh, get back to writing I am swinging from a seven-story window, throwing parties in a ten-by-seven cell. It's astounding the legs I'll go to convince the whole damn world I don't need anybody's help. Yeah, I am waving while I drown. Don't bother swimming out to save me. I will only drag you down. I'll try to use your body as a life raft. Cause if there's room enough for one, there must be room enough for two. I'll sail the good ship you into the sunset. Sipping on the savory water till my liver turns blue. Shut it out. Shut it out.
myself into standing the lengths I'll go to convince the whole damn world I don't need anybody's help.